Episode 47 of Pods. In the key. Springfield. Springfield. We're back, baby. Baby. For season five. And today we are... Pods in the key of Springfield. Pods in the key of Springfield. We are starting from the very beginning. For that's the very best place... We're starting from the beginning. ...to start. Are we going to be talking about Simpsons roasting on an open fire again? Let me tell that again. Okay, Today well, we, uh, we who are, is, um, who we is are, that guy? Shut up. We are starting from the beginning of season five, because the beginning is the very best place to start. See, it doesn't quite have the same rhythm. Okay, I get you. Uh, okay. Season five, episode one, Simpsons roasting on an open fire, <laughs> featuring Normwatch. Yeah, where's Norman? Where's Norman? Greg Norman. Greg Norman. Famed golf player. Golfist. Yes. Uh, season five, episode one, Homer's Barbershop Quartet. Yes. Um, and season five, episode two, Cape Fear. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I got some things to say about these episodes, which is good because we're recording a podcast about them. Mm-hmm. If I had nothing to say, it'd be a problem. That would be a problem. What I would like to because that would make you me. And we, this podcast can't <laughs> I'm have me. This podcast can't have two of me. As a matter of fact, this podcast can barely sustain one of me. <laughs> now. I've got yes. a I got a special little memory of Homer's Barbershop Quartet. Ah, yes. Uh, you know how I used to be a child, like when <laughs> I was a little boy. I mean, I've I've I, I don't know that I it's oh well I, I knew you in 1999. No, before that, 97 probably. Did you meet me in 97? Maybe oh maybe 98. Let's say 98. Okay, well. So I I knew you when you were you would have been what 12 at that point 98. 98. I was like Ten. nine. I think. Nine. Eight, 10, 11? Seven. When was I born? 87? I would have been 10 for most of that year. 10 turning 11. Let's just shout numbers at each other. 15. Okay, I said, hey, what's going on? Uh, <sighs> now, okay, so uh, watching The Simpsons as a young lad, uh, we got the show quite a bit later than they did in the US. I think we were maybe two years behind. Two years? Well, what, I, what I'm getting at is that this Doesn't episode... Doesn't that just seem unacceptable to you now? Yeah, but yeah. we didn't even know. Yeah, we, had no, we had no way of knowing. We didn't have the internet. We barely had an intranet. Back in 1995, this episode debuted on Australian television. Mm. This is the first episode I remember watching and being conscious of the fact that it was a brand new episode that had never been on TV before. Oh, interesting. Because I'd watched the reruns of The Simpsons. Sure. But this is the first time I remember being excited, like, oh, there's a new season of yeah. The Simpsons, episodes I have not seen before. You'd watch, Mamma mia. You'd watch the reruns, but you were getting ready to watch a run. Yeah, exactly. That is exciting. So this was the... I was very excited for this episode. And I'm sure as an eight-year-old, I got all the Beatles references. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he would have. I re- Well, I mean, you know... <clears throat> Revolver came out in 1966. This was in 1995. You've had a lot of time to prepare. Yeah, that was the only Beatles reference that I knew back then. Um, the uh, isn't it interesting thinking back to because I was thinking about this the other day about the the revelations I had about things as I was growing up, mm. specifically TV related things. Sure, I remember Thomas the Tank Engine. When I saw in the end credits, it had something to do with um, United Kingdom, and I was like, wait. You mean this isn't Australian? 
<laughs> and even though all the voices in that are very British, I just assumed that it was... I assumed, well, it's on my TV, I'm in Australia, it's probably Australian. Yeah, what else is there? Exactly. And so it just had this weird moment of going, huh, fuck, that's strange. I didn't realise I was watching things from other countries. Things come from other places? I know. I know it sounds ridiculous now, but it was yeah. genuinely um, like confusing as a kid. No, that makes sense to me. I and thought all kinds of dumb shit. There was another... Um, uh, realization i remember having and it was to do with uh, the looney tunes cartoons mm. where i think it was when i was just i just figured out what roman numerals were maybe <laughs> wait a minute that's not a woman that's just bugs bunny <laughs> dressed up <laughs> why does elmer fudd fall for that very very furry bunny shaped woman um hey, he's trying to hunt rabbits here he should you know he should stop yeah. trying to flirt with oh, that woman but but also if he is a, a wabbit hunter we would presume from that that he has a fairly good knowledge of the form and shape of a wabbit. Because yeah. he's got to look for them. I mean, you would think so. Dishwasher's like up again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dishwasher's got something to say. <laughs> Big uh, Looney Tunes Stan. But Stan? Stan. Stan. Yeah. Ah. What? Don't um, worry. Uh, oh, but, um, uh, yes... The, oh yeah, Looney Tunes. I remember the, figuring out Roman numerals or learning them or something. And then figuring out that, you know, the Looney Tunes that I just watched was from like 1958 or something. And it blew my mind because I just assumed, well, it's on my TV now. This must have been made like last year. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, um, maybe this is just because it was on my TV at the time, but, I don't. I, I never thought. Wow, this animation style looks really old-fashioned. All the design choices are a very 1950s idea of what the future is. Mm. Like if you look at um, Duck Dodgers in the 24th and a half century now, it looks like a very retro idea of what the future is, right? Yeah, way more ducks than there's likely to be with climate change. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Put the stupid thing in reverse. Um, but the realisation that I was watching things from different countries and different times was an interesting one. So I like to imagine that you were like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You mean this thing I've been watching reruns of is still going? Man, <laughs> I hope this show goes forever. And Jekyll... I hope you're fucking happy. Well, the finger on the monkey's paw did actually turn inwards when I wished that. So, you know, I should have known. And it's, what, 85 years later and they show no signs of slowing. Yeah, yeah, it's been... We're recording this on the same day we recorded our Citizen Kane episode for a bit of context. So, once again, season 30 has just premiered yes. today. Um, I, You know, I don't think they've actually renewed it for 31 yet. So, this could be interesting, uh... You know, there's a lot of talk with the Disney acquisition of Fox about whether they'll actually want to keep The Simpsons going. There has been some speculation they'll largely keep it going as a movie franchise. Did Disney acquire Fox? Yeah, that's in the process oh. right now. And, oh, uh, sure. I think they've kind of like if, soft announced The Simpsons Movie 2 at this point. Right. Which is maybe a thing we should have talked about on this if podcast. If it's going to become a movie franchise, does that mean it's going to become like the Star Wars thing where alternate years of main movies and B movies? Oh, possibly. Because a Simpsons movie every year would get... How do I say? Fucking tedious. A Simpsons episode every year is a bit much for me at this point. That's a good point. So, uh, and, and luckily, I mean, of the brand new stuff, luckily you and I are only tracking one a year. Yeah. Thanks to our uh, annual appearances on The Simpsons Index, <laughs> yeah. an online special, which then, is also a podcast. Even then, the last episode we watched was, what, two years old, I think? Oh, uh, yeah, it probably was. Now, because this is the Barbershop Quartet episode, I think it's appropriate, Nick, 
to finally reveal that your surname is Nick de Beaumarchais. Yes. Yes. And that makes me a member of Spandau Ballet? Does it? Is that what that's a reference to? I've got no idea. Oh, okay. I don't know enough about Spando, nor do I know enough about the ballet. So Spando Ballet is a total mystery to me, James. The other member of Pods in the Key of Springfield. That's my name. Sure. By the way. So this okay, episode... Sorry, there's a hotel in Paris called Hotel Caron de Beaumarchais. <laughs> okay. I thought there was a member of Spandau Ballet called... Living it up at I thought, the it, I thought there was a Beaumarchais. I thought there was a Simon de Beaumarchais, is what I'm thinking of there. Maybe it's Simone de Beaumarchais. Uh, maybe it's Simone Beauvoir. Yeah, maybe. Renowned existentialist author. <laughs> yeah, sure. It could be. Uh, this episode opens with three couch gags. Three. We get the take one, the take two, the take three. I don't know if that means they were short on time or if they're just overflowing with couch gag ideas at this point. In well, time. this is... It. Oh, never mind. What? I was, about, I was about to make an interesting point, but then check my notes and realize the interesting point was for the next episode, not for this one. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, the couch gag where they mush together and become plasticine, that's always freaked me out a bit. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. It's kind of what's happening to us as well. Becoming plasticine well, or mushing you, together. Well, the other day you like patted me on the shoulder and your hand sort of melted with my shoulder for a bit and it took a while to pull it apart. Every time we make contact now, we sort of melt together in an unfortunate way and it takes longer and longer to pull each other apart. I don't really recall any of that. Okay, that's probably for the best. Um, should we, as we're about to go into Homer's Barbershop Quartet... Uh, <laughs> I'm here 12 minutes into this recording, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, the episode in which we see, you know, Homer join the barbershop quartet. quartet yeah. uh, a journey I'm telling which, you it was mighty nice. A journey which echoes that of the Beatles. Is it worth flagging that uh, later on, several series ahead of us, is that 90s show where they do Homer in the Nirvana-style grunge band called Sadgasm, which not only completely rewrites the history of Homer's debut into the music scene mm. but also completely rewrites how him and marge met because apparently homer and marge meet in the 90s while homer was playing in a grunge band as opposed to in the 70s while at school i don't know if i've ever said this on the podcast but my hot take on all of this having i've seen that episode but it's been ages i remember being like bare but inoffensive to me but my my take is the simpsons would have had a better shot at staying good and relevant if once the year 2000 hit, they just kept The Simpsons based in the 90s forever. Mm. Mm. That's my position. I stand by it. Interesting. I'm not sure that I'm ready to get on board with it, but I... Just because I, I think I respect continuing to modernize Edge is one of the things that has harmed the show in the long run. Exactly. And, and I think... I mean- if if they had if they had taken on our position mm. of the egg flip universe in which we see all possible timelines at once existing in the gooey proteiny middle. I mean, you the, say if a, they took it on. I mean, that's what's happening, isn't it? No, but I think they need to get on front street with it. They need to get on the front foot and then on their front foot have a little note that says egg flip universe, <laughs> so that when the front foot walks towards you, you go there's a little note stuck to there. Oh, egg flip universe. Oh, oh yeah. I believe that's what the phrase on the front foot means. Um, so sure. I think they need to... What about to... the front street, which is also a thing you said? Uh, yes. On... <laughs> they need to get on front street with it. So by yeah. that I How mean... How much is that worth on the Monopoly board? <laughs> there is no front street on the Monopoly board. Um, uh, I was looking at... What was I doing the other day? I was thinking about Monopoly. 
Oh, you, you were visiting Trafalgar Square. Yeah, I wish. I was visiting Mayfair. I went there with four hundred dollars. Apparently, that's not enough to buy the entire street of Mayfair. Um, <laughs> oh, you've been misled. Uh, right. There was a. Oh, I was thinking about in the early 2000s when there was that iteration of Monopoly where instead of having cash you had a little credit card and then there was a machine that you'd swipe and it said what your money was and then the bank could give you more if you made a loan for the bank Mm. and I was just like what an interesting thing that the entire gimmick of the redesign of this game was now it's credit cards yeah and and every other mechanic of the game stayed exactly the same I find that really interesting what happened to that version of the game? Can you still buy it? I think you can still buy it. They've probably got like a PayPass version by now. Oh, probably. Or a PayWave version. Or there might even be a, um, a, a Venmo version where it's all <laughs> done through a texting app. <laughs> or PayPal where every time you land on a property, you just have to like text the person next to you and say, hey, what's your PayPal? I need to send you the money. And then they take like a full day to send it and you forget to send them the money. And then there'll be a transaction fee that's taken out. Yeah, like a heavy transaction fee as well. Higher than it should be. I remember once... Uh, uh, I was selling some stuff on Gumtree. This is still a podcast about The Simpsons, by the way. I'll get there. Yeah. I was selling some stuff on Gumtree and the person said, oh, well, I don't really like doing bank-to-bank transfers. I prefer the security of PayPal. And I'm like, oh, all right, send it to me by PayPal then. Maybe. And then when the money arrived in my account, I'm like, well, now I've got $15 less than I should have because mm. we went through PayPal and I don't get the benefit of that extra 15 Yeah, you got to charge extra if you're going through PayPal. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know that at the time. Yeah, neither did I. So Right. Anyway, uh, Oyster Lucy, <laughs> uh, they go to a swap meet at the very start of this episode. Yes. In the first, what, minute of the episode. Yep. And we got Mo hocking Oyster Lucy, which is discarded oyster shells painted to look like Lucille Ball. Yes. Who's just got to meet Bob Cummings. Sure. Yes. I like that bit. I don't understand the noise at the end. Yeah, me neither. I think it's just, uh, it feels like a thing that I would do, so I like it. It, do- it does yeah. feel like a thing you would do. It's very, it's a very James moment from Mo there. I would like, um, if I was going to suggest something that the screenwriters could have done better in this, uh, mm. sorry, not the screenwriters, the sign writers. Um, so there's, you know, um, Oyster Lucy by Mo. Oh yeah. no, it says Handicrafts by Mo. Sorry. Yeah. Handicrafts by Mo is a big sign above his head. What I would really like is a sign that he's advertising that says, the pearl inside the oyster can pick up radio signals. And that would have been an excellent little Easter egg to the story about Lucy getting fillings in her teeth and then driving past the radio tower and being able to hear, allegedly, the radio through her teeth because she said she was picking up the signals from the antenna. I have not seen that episode of uh, I Love Lucy. Nope. This was a story she told on late oh, night TV. I have not heard that story from uh, Lucy Lucille Lawless. <laughs> Lucy Ball um, and her husband Desi Arnaz um, oh is that going to become a new running thing where we say every now and then we'll both say Desi Arnaz in perfect synchronicity I don't see why it would be <laughs> um, no she yeah she claimed that she had a feeling that she could that was picking up radio signals it wouldn't okay. have been it's impossible but she said it so it would have been nice to have a little joke to that I feel like that is a running concept in culture the idea that uh, feelings can pick up radio signals and I think it came from Lucy Ball Ah, interesting. I like the religious trading cards that Flanders is giving away. I think that's an inherently very funny concept. What I want to know, though, did Flanders make them all, or is there, or is there a company that does religious trading cards? Yeah, that's and he an was interesting just, thought. He was just because he's giving them. them away for free as well. Like he's trying to just 
get a bit of product up there out there so he can gouge people later i suppose on these homemade oh training so cards. is it one of those things where the first hits free and then the price yeah. just keeps then getting... the booster packs are like seven dollars each the booster and you just packs. keep getting methuselah over and over again oh, damn that i mean i've got so many methuselahs yeah you got um, that uh you got that holographic moses though, that you're very fond of and everyone's just hoping for the christ card and then i've got the the digital expansion pack where it's a little bit like um, that, uh, was it the Skylanders game where you had different little things that you sit in the dock and that changes the way that you can play the video game? Yep. And you put in little digital Moses and it says, let my pixels go. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was working fucking overtime to find a setup there. <laughs> There's probably a market for that. What, a, a religious Skylanders? <laughs> yeah. An Old Testament Skylanders? <laughs> yeah. Fucking yeah, great. Yeah, why not? <laughs> oh, that's kind of fun. You uh, and call then, it God Mode, which is actually already the name of a game, but that game's been largely forgotten by history. So oh, uh, I see. And then um, you could get uh, you could get the King Herod expansion pack, but you only get to keep half of it. <laughs> Was it King Herod that threatened to cut the baby in half? <laughs> yeah. Uh, either you can you buy it, and you either have to split it with another person, or the true owner will offer to give it away. Yes. Yeah. Did you ever play Super Noah's Ark 3D on the Super Nintendo? No, but that sounds fucking amazing. It's a game that existed. It right. was like Doom, but uh, you were pacifying animals on an ark. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, uh, to play the uh, to play the Steam version on PC, if you want to upgrade to do the Moses pack, you need to part the C drive. <laughs> Nick, you're making me very cross. <laughs> Sorry, is in an internment camp. Sorry, James. I'll crucifix that for you. Oh, good. <laughs> I don't know which listenership we've just lost, but it's one of them. <laughs> Good riddance to Jesus. Uh, so Skinner puts on his internment camp yeah. hood thing. Yeah. His, and that's fun. That's, um. Uh, I think my words were, well, that's brutal. Yeah. Um, so not only do we find out he was in a prisoner of war camp for two years, wearing a helmet through, uh, th- uh, through which he could see through a grill mm. um, and had no other way of moving. Um, but, uh, uh, he, to then be reacquainted with it and to almost have a sense of like nostalgic love for it. Yeah. I found that very surprising. And then also his prisoner number was 24601, which I believe is another reference to, uh, Les Miserables. I believe you're thinking of A675309. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. 24601 is a reference to Jenny. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 13166. That's Pizza Hut delivery. <laughs> Oh, oh, sorry, I'm getting confused with 132227, go yellow. <laughs> yeah, the taxi company. The yes. taxi company. Oh, Should we talk about the barbershop quartet? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, here's my question. In the first, was like when we're being introduced to the barbershop quartet, we see them do basically the same song three times. Yeah. Is the joke there that they were a one-hit wonder, or is it just it's cheaper to record one Barbershop Quartet song than it is to record nine Barbershop Quartet songs? Well, I did feel like the first time we hear them sing, Goodbye, my Coney Island baby. Yep. There's a voice in there that doesn't sound like any of them. Yep, there's Edna Karoppel's voice that stands out pretty clearly yeah, above the rest. Yeah, it's strange. And I just wonder if she's maybe the strongest singer, so she had to dress up as Skinner. Huh. That's an interesting thought. Mm. Seems like it's largely unaddressed, but uh, Skinner looks no different. The other no. characters that look different at all 
Homer looks a little different. He's got more hair. Yes. Kids look a little different because they're little babies. And then Flanders has a slightly different mustache, which I thought was interesting. It's a bit I, pokier. I didn't notice the Pokemon. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Pokemon, one of my favorite video game series. <laughs> uh, the N is silent. It's Pokemon. <laughs> Gotta catch them, Al. <laughs> That's the catchphrase. <laughs> Gotta catch them, comma, Al. <laughs> oh, that shouldn't be as funny to me as it is. Uh, I really, I love the scene where Wiggum is acting like a pooch. Have you caught the Pikachu? <laughs> yeah, sure. I really like Chan Man- Charmandy. Charmandy. <laughs> yeah. Charmandy. Cool Modi. <laughs> And uh, Boba Sal, which is a pig. Uh, now I like I like this <laughs> a pig in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Boba Sal, yeah, sure. I like the scene where Wiggum's sticking his head out the car, panting like a dog, and then he gets let go, and he howls at the moon. Yeah. In the next episode, we hear a wolf howl. Maybe it's Wiggum again. Oh, when Grandpa thinks the wolves are after him, maybe it's yeah. the Wiggums are maybe after. Maybe the him. wolves are after him. Maybe Wiggum is. Out on the hunt. He's actually gone full wolf. Yeah, makes sense wow. to me. I mean, it happened to Bart when he was trapped down that well. Yeah. With, by the way, this whole driving him out and just letting him go in the country, if I ever need to replace you on this podcast, that's my plan. All right. Just drive you out to the country and so, leave you be. I'm never going to get in your car again. <laughs> sure. I don't think I've ever been driven around by you anyway. So. No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. This plan sorts itself out. Yeah. Now, Nick, you, yes. you're a banderman. You've been in some bands. Have you ever been in a barbershop quartet? I have not been in a barbershop quartet. Why not? Uh, I'm not a strong enough singer to be in a barbershop quartet. Okay. And no one else that I know is a strong enough singer to be in a barbershop quartet. And what is a barbershop quartet exactly? Why do they call it? Do they sing at barbershops? Is that the idea? I think they used to. I think that's where it started. Okay. Either that or they were... Um, uh, maybe the way that they dress is how barbers used to dress. Seems like a possibility. Or maybe they just used to spin around on the pole that's out the front of the barbershop. The red, white, and blue spinning pole. Yeah, maybe. I don't really know. Would you like me to look it up? No. 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 But if anyone else out there is interested, you can look it up and then you'll have that information. Part of the reason why it's not in this podcast. Yes. Because if you're deeply invested in uh, that fact, easy to find out. Now, when they're doing the auditions... For the oh. uh, the new members. Yes. And Wiggum comes in dressed as Dr. Doolittle. Yes, and he says, this bird's gonna fly, see? He jumps out the window, and I've always liked the fact that in the animation, he only takes two steps to get from the stage oh, onto yeah. a piano and out the window. He's traveling, well, like 15 meters there? Yeah, that is a, that is a lot. He's got a long reach. Yeah. And actually... A standing jump. It reminds me a little bit of a, of a Seinfeld scene. Um, at the over the end credits of it might be the episode with the muffins. Yeah, maybe? Seinfeld. What show is that? Oh, it's the early nineties animated sitcom with all the little yellow characters. Oh, it's got like Bart, Lisa, yeah, uh, Marge, and the little Mr. Pig- Burns and the Pigman. That's <laughs> Susan. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but there's a scene where um, boy. Wayne Knight, who plays Newman, yeah. At the very end credits, you see him sprinting down the New York street scene. Mm. And for a bigger gentleman, he moves very fast and very gracefully. He's got a <laughs> real fast run on him. Um, a, a, like Almost like a, a, a balletic pointed toe type of run. It's really quite impressive. And I think Wiggum's got a bit of that about him because he just takes leap to yeah. the piano 
and then one swift move out the fucking window. You can really see why he's an effective cop in this moment. Yes, it's a really good point. Yeah. All that leaping and prancing. Speaking of which, like, you know, at this stage, you and I have no plans to do any type of live show because we do not have the listenership to justify (laughs) it. But if we do ever get to do a live show, we should exit the stage. This bird is going to (laughs) fly. By leaping through a window. Yeah. We may need to fake it with the candy glass they use in movies rather than actually killing ourselves <laughs> but but you know what well maybe what we'll do Look, i'm pretty committed to this bitch maybe what we'll do is we'll have a, a fake window if the show goes well and if the show no i'm gonna make that joke 13 11 14 yeah. if you're uh you know in a hard time yeah um, let's avoid lacerations yes uh now Lazarus, however. Yeah. Very good trading card to collect in my Old Testament trading series. Yeah, Lazarus, dig yourself. Lazarus, dig yourself. I want you to dig. Nick Cave song. How do you feel about Nick Cave? Anyway. I'm uh, a huge fan. <laughs> there's, there's a chant where they get Barney to replace Wiggum. Yep. And there's a crowd in Moe's cavern, as it's called here. Cavern. Chanting, Wiggum forever, Barney never. Yes. Weird little thing about this. There's an episode of the show, Louie. The show by a uh, oh, yeah. disgraced comedian, Louis C.K., who yeah. uh, I loved this show, but, you know, Louis C.K., yeah. obviously, piece of shit. Uh, there's an episode in season three, I think it's season three, called Barney slash Never. Because huh. uh, it, the first half is about him going to the the wake of his friend Barney. Sure. And then the second half is about a child named Never, who he has to look after. Sure. Who I believe takes a shit in a bathtub. It's a look. It's a good episode. I can't endorse, you yeah. know, watching or yeah. watching anything Louis C.K. has done. But I have seen the episode and really liked it. Robin Williams is in it, I believe. And uh, yeah, it's called Barney slash Never. Interesting. And I remember when that came out, going into the comment section on the AV Club review, and all the comments started were just, with Wiggum forever, oh. Barney never." Nice, I see. That used to be a good comment section before they went to Kinja and fired all their good writers or lost them somehow. For a moment, I thought you were going to say that you went to the AV Club website and all the comments started with "By my calculations." <laughs> By my calculations. Um, <laughs> yeah, Wiggum forever, Barney never. Obviously, a reference to when uh, Pete Best was kicked out of the Beatles and replaced with Ringo Starr. Yeah. Ringo, uh, Pete Best Forever, Ringo Never. Yeah, that's exactly what they would charge. Mm. And then, and um, then Ringo got up there and was like fairly competent. Like, oh, okay, fine, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then after a couple of months, everyone went, Pete Best looks a little bit like a fucking zombie, doesn't he? <laughs> He's got this weird, like, Frankenstein's monster quality to him. Yeah. Actually, he's a cross between... Pete Best is like a cross between a normal person and Lurch from the Adams Family. The irony is that he came off Pete's second best in his oh, competition with very, Ringo. That's very good. Yeah. That's very good. Oh, thank you. There's a joke in this episode... And this is interesting. This is the one joke Matt Groening says that he does not like on the show. It's the one scene he has like a serious objection to. I mean, he said this before. I feel like it's kind of bullshit because, you know, he's objected to entire episodes before. Yes. But the one joke he says he particularly doesn't like is when in the present day, the car breaks down or the tire goes flat and Homer sold the spare tire. And in the next scene, Marge is carrying... The fucked tire, mm. and there's a sign saying gas station 12 miles. Sure. Uh, Matt Groening has said that is the one joke he doesn't like because he thinks it is too cruel to Marge. Right. That she is sent alone to 
fix the tire. Uh, I yeah, I interesting. Interesting. I think it's funny as like a bit of extremism in the See, episode. I yeah, I mean, I've always thought, to be honest, that it is cruel, but also. Someone needs to stay and look after the kids, and Homer's not going to be able to walk 24 miles. Yeah. Like, I, 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 that's how I've always justified that joke to myself. He just doesn't have the capacity to walk 24 miles. And that's another case. I feel like 12 is the right number, where it's like, it's plausible you could do that walk. Yeah. It would just be uncomfortable. I think 9 would also be a good option. Ooh, 9. Anything between 9 and 12 feels too fake. Like, you, you wouldn't go 10, and who would say 11? But 9 or 12, mm. they're both good numbers. I feel like 11 would kind of work. Nah. But 12, like an even number is probably better. Yeah. Except for 9. 13 would be awful. It'd no. It'd be a mistake. No, you wouldn't do 13. 9 might... Would 9 be better than 12? No, I think 12 is probably the best. Interesting. This is based on the the assumption she would get a drive back. Oh, that's a good point. Because otherwise, 24 is a lot. 24 is cruel. Yeah, that's true. 12 is, you I know, even, 12 is an anecdote. I never even thought that she'd get a drive back. That's a good point. How long is 12 miles? Uh, several kilometers. <laughs> a handful. 12 <laughs> miles. 19 kilometers. Yeah, that's a long walk. Yeah, that's a walk. Like the uh, Stephen King book, The Long Walk, which is about a long walk. Off a short pier? No, just down a road. Down a road. Yeah. Sounds like thrilling fodder for a book. <laughs> it's actually a really good book. He wrote, he wrote, it was one of his Richard Buckman books. Okay, it's like it's like a Hunger Games sort of scenario in that it's a bunch of kids walking and the last one who is still walking at a certain pace uh, doesn't get killed. Right. Yeah, it's good. Okay. It's like one of those sort of dystopian... Oh, oh dystopian. Ah, oh, well, if you just said that to begin with, you idiot. You klutz, you jerk. Oh. Uh, now... I like the scene where Homie's trying to come up with a new song and he sings, uh, there was nothing in Al Capone's vault, mm-hmm. but it wasn't Geraldo's fault. That's one of the jokes that took me like 20 years to actually learn the origin of. Yes. To learn that Geraldo had that special when yes. he went to Al Capone's vault. And there was nothing in there. Yeah, which Geraldo now says basically kickstarted his career and it was like very good for him because it was a rating sensation. Yes. And then he drank the red juice in there and... Gained special powers. Oh, I didn't know that part. No, um, no, it is. It, it's interesting because I remember like singing that line as a kid, not knowing what any of those words meant. Yeah, <laughs> good times. And uh, then, baby, on board something, something, Burt Ward. I find I've often trailed off with on songs with something, something, Burt Ward. Oh, I know. Never <laughs> fails <laughs> to get a suspicious look. Usually from me. Yeah. Um. I enjoy the press conference, which is, of course, a reference to when the Beatles landed in JFK Airport in 1964. Um, there is, I remember that, because pre- I've seen, I'm a Beatles fan. Yeah. Um, I've seen... Did you know that was 20 years ago today that Sergeant Pepper told the band to play? No way. Uh, that's fun. Um, so, some of the questions that they were being asked at this um, press conference mm. are, are properly insane. So, first question was... Are you going to interview me here? Am I going to answer these questions? No. I'm just (laughs) going to tell you some of the highlights from this press conference. Um, So, uh, first question is, are you a little embarrassed by the lunacy you cause? And they all just say, no, it's it's great. We love it. And then the follow-up question is, so you're in favour of lunacy? (laughs) (laughs) What? That doesn't make any sense. Staunchly. And then... um, 
Uh, in Detroit, Michigan, they're handing out car stickers that say "Stamp Out the Beatles," and Paul responds with, "Yeah, well, we're bringing out a Stamp Out Detroit campaign." And the question in response is, "Yeah, but what about the Stamp Out the Beatles campaign?" And John's just like, "What about it?" Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, um, oh god, there was one here somewhere. One of the questions is, how many of you are bald and you have to wear those wigs? <laughs> Ringo responds with, all of us are bald. <laughs> um, it's, it was a very weird, very weird interview, but not weird in like a Beatles subverted it kind of way. Weird in a what the fuck are these American journalists doing? That is interesting. Very what are you looking strange. at now? Um, one, of them, one of the questions, and this is from a transcript where the, the start is, Listen, I got a question here. Hey, Americans. <laughs> hey, I got a question here. Sorry. Hey, Americans, stop introducing the fact that you're about to speak and just speak. Um, <laughs> can you just I, watch uh, Citizen Kane. <laughs> can I just say, just go ahead and fucking say it. Anyway, listen, I got a question here. Are you going to get a haircut at all while you're here? They all say no. And then George Harrison says, I had one yesterday. <laughs> anyway, um, fucking weird little press conference and that's what the press conference in this episode of the simpsons reminded me of when my boy homer has to tell Mars that he has to pretend not to have a wife yes so that uh, because a lot of women will think they will want to have sex with him and, and we want them to think they can yeah so when he says this to marge julie captain plays the distressed crying so well oh yes it is actually upsetting to hear her because she it just sounds so genuine she's having a real whale yeah and retching it's yes it's it's hard it's hard going. It, is, it is hard it is yeah. hard in a way i don't remember them ever like going that hard on that again uh on on that particular issue on her crying that oh hard um uh, we hear much crying but not like wailing like she yeah. was there yeah, no, I think you're right. This is probably the, the hardest and the loudest she cries. Interesting. We get introduced to uh, the new character Squiddy in this episode, ah, who Squiddy. is a kraken with a belly full of gold. Yes. Can't wait to see what uh, the future holds for that character. I feel like he's going to be a major player going forward. I think there will be a story development mm. arc. I don't yeah. know the terms of I feel like the if film. there is like a league of villains in Springfield, which has been hinted at uh, thus far and will be hinted at further in the future, I feel sure. like Squiddy the Kraken is going to be part of it. Who put the gold in Squiddy's belly? That's what I was wondering. Also, who put the bop in the bop shawop shawop? Uh, that was uh, Edward Clowns. Edward Clowns. <laughs> Alfred Gerns. Yeah. <laughs> I nearly said Edward Gerns. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to explain that reference. Uh, people can go and Google it. Um, uh, the only note I have left is about the very last scene, the rooftop scene. Okay, I got a bunch so, between. Yeah, I should just sort of run through them because we are already going long. Yeah. Uh, this enormous woman will devour us all is a fun line. I like these jokes about <laughs> is people. A, is a fun line to shout. <laughs> I enjoy lo- I enjoy these scenes of The Simpsons where somebody overreacts to something and then jumps through or off something. Yes, it is good. Uh, this show really hates the Grammys. A lot of Grammys jokes in The Simpsons. Yep. They go hard in this one. Which is one of those things that I've always found a little confusing because uh, even though I generally consider myself someone who likes music stuff, I don't pay any attention to the Grammys because who cares about award ceremonies? And the <laughs> idea about lashing out against award ceremonies is weird even for me, yeah. the guy that lashes out <laughs> against literally everything. Yeah, I always pretend that I'm not invested in the Oscars, and then I've never watched the Oscars, but I, for some reason, am invested in who wins. Hmm. I like to follow it. I like to predict. Interesting. And usually it's fairly predictable. Yes. Uh, what else have we got here? 
Did you notice that Spinal Tap were at the Grammys? I didn't notice that. And have you noticed that I'm wearing a Spinal Tap shirt right now? I did notice that, yes. The problem with wearing a shirt like this that has, like, if you've seen the movie, it's a funny shirt, is that I walk past a lot of people forgetting I'm wearing the shirt, and they're like, look... And like, start laughing. Like, what? What the fuck's going on? What the hell? Laughing? Mm. I look down. I'm like, oh, right. Yes, I can't. of course. It's good to it's have because self- of my funny appearance. It's good to have self esteem, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, George Harrison makes a cameo on this. One of the oh, yeah. one of the Beatles. One of the Beatles. Yeah, the uh, one who has unfortunately passed on since yeah the Simpsons began and. Which means, the, which means the Beatles ended up getting three out of... Uh, sorry, the Simpsons ended up getting three out of the four Beatles. Yeah, because we'll get McCartney next season. Season seven, maybe? Maybe. And uh, then we see Homer eating a bunch of brownies. Yeah. Yeah. Too fast. Too many brownies. Oh, you think he might induce... Uh, he, he might have some kind of uh, brownie consumption-induced problems. I mean, it's... He might have a sore tummy. I mean, look, there's two possibilities here, and only two. One, Homer is an unreliable narrator and is misrepresenting his brandy consumption. Interesting. Two, the brandies kill Homer and the rest of the series is a death dream. I don't know which way I lean on this, but... I reckon the second is more likely. I mean, it does seem like a strong possibility to me, and I would bet on Homer being dead. I see. Uh, Homer's disinterest in the Grammys comes awfully fast. In fact, the denouncement of this episode really sort of speeds through it itself, I suppose. Mm. When the uh, the band is out of ideas and is singing for all the latest medical poops called Surgeon General C. Everett Coop. Yes. Uh, Coop Cooper Doop or Poop Pooper Doop? Coop Cooper Doop. Okay, very good. Of the two songs, which do you think is better? Number eight or number nine? Uh, what? Yeah, uh, the Beatles song oh, or the B Sharp song? Um, pro- oh, probably number nine. Yeah, it's got a bit more going on. Does it? Yeah, I think so. number nine. Number nine. Yeah, number nine. It's just that for like fifteen minutes, isn't it? Yeah, yep, 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 yep. yep. Okay, and uh, the single plum floating perfume served in a man's hat. Yes, very good joke. Very good joke. Yeah. Now, what's your last note? My last note is, according to the outfits on the rooftop scene, Homer is Ringo and Barney is John. I'm not quite sure that I agree with those matchups. No? Who would Homer be? I don't know. I'm just not sure I'm comfortable with Homer as Ringo. Because he's wearing the big red kind of raincoat thing, which is what Ringo was wearing. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, Barney had the kind of green fluffy jacket, which I think's what John was wearing. I didn't actually look this up. I'm just going off memory. But... Uh, I'm not 100% sure that I'm okay with Barney as John, and I'm definitely not okay with Homer as Ringo. Nah. I can't imagine Homer having blisters on his fingers more than I could imagine the other two, three characters, though. Interesting. And uh, the reunion is strange because it seems like they all just stayed friends with Homer, and there should be no reason why they wouldn't have gotten together earlier. Yes. To jam. It's a very interesting point. Yes. Season 5, episode 2, Cape Fear. Cape Fear. Maybe. I was talking uh, a couple of weeks ago about how the circus intro, I recognized that, sorry, when I was a kid, I associated that with good episodes. Mm. And then I said, well, actually, I've now realized that it's an episode they tend to use, uh, sorry, an intro they tend to use on episodes that need some filler. Generally, the very short episodes are not the very good ones. This might be a bit of an anomaly there. But I wonder if this is the reason that made me think the circus intro was a sign of a good episode. Strong possibility. Every time I've seen that circus intro, I've thought, this is probably Cape Fear. Yeah. And when I I was younger, until fairly recently, actually, 
I was talking to you before we started recording, or possibly when we started. That was like 40 minutes ago, I don't remember. But I was talking about how sometimes you have to look at like the things you feel about certain media properties and consider like, do I still feel this way or did I just decide a long time ago? Sure. This is my view and I've held on to it. For a very long time, Cape Fear was the episode that I said was the best episode of The Simpsons. Sure. For a very long time. And I think this episode fucks, mm. giving it the fucks rating. Yeah. But Oh, you've got F.U.C.K.S. Yeah. Wow. It's more of an emphasis after each letter than an acronym or an initialization, but it, mm. it fucks. What I'm thinking is the reason this was my favorite episode is because it is so extremely cartoony that I think that really appealed to me as a kid. I could see that being a thing. I would always tell people that my favorite episode was the one where Sajo Bob tries to kill Bart. Yes. And they would say, who is that? There's a bunch of episodes like that. (laughs) Then they would shit themselves. And I'd always get annoyed because of the smell of shit, but also because (laughs) this is the only episode where Bob actively tries to kill Bart until later on. Sure. For the first, like, eight seasons, I think this is the only one. Hmm. And when we talk about it maybe running a bit short, because there is a lot of stuff stretching out on this yeah. one, I did not look into this to confirm at all. My gut feeling is maybe they could only get Kelsey Grammer for like a day. Possibly. Because some of the... I mean, not only is it the the circus intro, which tends to be for a shorter episode, but some of the jokes, they really take their time on. Yeah. Um, which I love and appreciate. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Totally, totally, yeah. totally, totally. Um, I really enjoy when Lisa gets a pen pal from her friend Anya, who's living in a country that's just had a government overthrow, because I love that it finishes with, all hail Kroll, sincerely, little girl. All hail Kroll and his glorious new regime. Oh, sorry, and his glorious new regime. (laughs) Yeah. Sincerely, little girl. Which is actually, I've got this American pen pal and this letter that I've just received (laughs) is very distressing. Very good. Have you seen... I don't know why I'm asking you this. Have you seen the movie Cape Fear? No. Either the original with Gregory Peck or the remake with Robert De Niro? Gregory Peck? Yeah, he plays the dad in the first one, and then I don't yeah, remember Atticus who Finch. plays... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, a movie about how... Uh, it's about racism. He kind of... He gets up and he defends Tom Robinson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised I had the name Atticus Finch locked and loaded and ready to go. <laughs> it's a very popular literary name, but yeah. Well, okay. It's good. Um, Scout, Jam, they're all there. Scout. Um... No, I haven't seen any of the Cape Fears. Okay, because this is largely a parody of the Scorsese one, the uh, Robert De Niro playing the bad guy. And it is pretty much note for note the movie at times. The soundtrack is lifted pretty directly from Mm. the movie. A lot of individual scenes like, oh yeah, this is the scene from the movie. Uh, Less Robert De Niro in this episode Mm. than there is in the movie, but... Interesting. Interesting call there, man. Yeah. So, as we go through this episode, talking about the things that happened, every now and then I'll say, this is from the movie, the movie Cape Fear. And you'll say, there's a movie, a movie named Cape Fear. My word. My first note um, (coughs) is about what we see in the episode of Itchy and Scratchy. Yep, spay anything. Was there an episode of Itchy and Scratchy in in the Scorsese Cape Fear? Uh, There was, actually, in that one. Oh, that's curious. Yeah, it's a a really weird one, actually, because it's basically taxi driver but it's itchy and scratchy and it goes for a full 25 minutes of the movie taxi and scratchy (laughs) (laughs) um so uh itchy is standing in front of a sign that says we spare your pet 75 dollars yeah 
Uh, but he's standing in front of the S, so it looks like we pay your pet $75. Yeah, hilarious. Scr- Scratchy walks along and goes, fucking 75 bucks? How good's this? I'll, no, walk, I'll walk in here and get $75 of free money. Yeah. Here's my question. To whom is Scratchy a pet? Oh, I see. I was thinking the same thing. I think Scratchy is simply trying to pass himself off as a pet. Oh, he's trying to pass himself yeah. off he as a pet. He doesn't expect he's going to get his dick lasered off. He just wants to go in there and... You know, he's going to fake it till he makes it. And by make it, I mean $75 is what he's going to make. Yeah. Uh, interesting. But, yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's one of the, you know... Said he gets ripped to shreds by a laser. Yeah. Because there, there are lots of... Uh, in, in various cartoon worlds, there are lots of interesting uh, uh, pet slash character dichotomies. Like, mm. you know... Goofy and Pluto. The only difference between them is Goofy wearing is wearing pants. So yep. he's a character in the town, and Pluto, who looks exactly the same, is a pet. Yep. Um, and so you know, I thought it was interesting that Scratchy either is a pet to an owner that we never see, or uh, was yeah. As you I t- think as he's you a say, grifter passing. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's my take. Interesting. Yeah, Scratchy mm. little grifter. So uh, Bart's getting a bunch of threatening letters in the mail. They're saying like, "I'm going to kill you, baby," things like that, <laughs> and. Uh, he says at the at the table when they've got them all laid out, who would want to kill me? I'm this century I'm this century's Dennis the Menace. Sure. Which is uh funny for a few reasons. One because of course Dennis the Menace is of that century, but also mm. I remember reading something ostensibly written by Matt Groening. I think it might have been in a Simpsons comic even. Uh it was like a thing by Matt Groening about the first time Dennis the Menace was on TV. Mm-hmm. And he was really excited. He was seeing like the the promo materials for this show. He's like, this kid's a fucking anarchist. He's going to tear shit up. This is what I've been waiting for. This is the original bad boy of television. I am going to eat this up like strawberry pudding. <laughs> and uh, then... Dennis the Anarchist is a show that I would watch. <laughs> and then Dennis the Menace comes on TV... And he's like a fairly like responsible child. He's like dressed well. He's you know he's got his slingshot, but he's not like shooting people with it. And Matt Green's like, come on, give me that sweet release of uh, just madness and mayhem. I want to see Dennis the Menace fucking kill someone. <laughs> but Dennis the Menace is, you know, not the pretty tame, not the anarchist maniac that Matt Groening needed. No. So when he went to make The Simpsons, he's like, all right, my character, my character's gonna tear shit up. My little buddy boy. Mm. He's going to be the original bad boy from hell. Sure. And then Bud's fairly sanitized as well, but it's fine. He's yeah. fun. Yeah, no, everything's fine. Um, it would have been great if it was if Matt Groening's pitch for The Simpsons was like, Dennis the Menace, but an absolute fucking out of control, <laughs> raucous nightmare. Just a real gutter rat of a kid. <laughs> gutter rat. <Yeah>. Excellent. <laughs> Just a real bin rat of a kid. Yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of, you know, kid who's going to, you know, put acid in the punch and... Uh, I don't know, like... Real acid? Yeah, eat all of his neighbor's radishes, you know, things like that. He's gonna... Of the radishes? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. He's gonna go hard. They've Too been, hard. They've been working... What is... Is that, like... Does... Was it a Cialis-infused <laughs> radish? I don't know, man. He's just... Buzzy... Bit of a, bit of a Viagra Buzz drug a there. bad little boy. Whittle. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I feel... T- turns out, potentially not so little... Because the girls are calling him fatty, fatty, fat, fat. Yeah, they are. In a scene that I hella fucking enjoy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the girls are calling you fatty, fatty, fat, fat, and Nelson's going to pull your pants down, but no one's going to kill you pants down. Fatty, fatty, fat, fat. Excellent timing. Yeah. Excellent timing. Uh, 
Nelson's gonna pull your pants down and the girls are gonna eat fatty fat fat fat. I'm Millhouse. And what can you tell me about Red Dead Redemption 2 coming out in a month's time? Or by the time this episode comes out, probably already out. It's my video game. <laughs> if our download numbers are down, by the way, it will be because of that. Speaking of which, looking at the clock, the embargo from Assassin's Creed Odyssey runs out in four minutes. Should I talk about that on the podcast in four minutes? You know that we're not releasing this for like four weeks, though. Yeah, but I'd be telling you. All right, all right. You can tell me some stuff about Assassin's Creed. Is it is it the game that we invented, Cat Assassin's Creed, where you play as a cat? <laughs> not yet, it's not, but I'm hoping that'll come up. Amazing. Wouldn't that be great if it was a patch? <laughs> I mean, it's like it's said in ancient Greece. So instead of Leonidas, you get Leonopus. It's a it's a whole good. whole thing. Very good. Very good. Uh, this app takes forever to get to such a bob, and I kind of love it. Hmm. I love the stretched out, like, the mystery element of, like, who's trying to kill Bart? Who's putting Wipeout on the radio? Uh, why is Flanders, you know, sharing Is Flanders going to kill him with those Freddy Krueger gloves? Sure. Walking around, wearing a sweater, calling everyone bitch like Freddy Krueger. <sighs> bit harsh. What was Moe doing with those pandas? Do you have a theory on this? Hmm. I do think it's interesting. There's there's a recurring theme of Mo just keeping endangered animals in the back <laughs> back room of the bar. Um, I don't have a theory on what he was doing with the pandas. Um, he hadn't even taken them out of the box, which is one of the things I find most baffling. Yeah, that is weird. Like, had they only just arrived? Huh. I don't know. I think he's running some sort of bamboo-related grift, but I haven't figured out what it could have been. A lot of grifters in this episode. But, but pandas are consumers of bamboo. You can't run a bamboo-related black market grift if you if you're <laughs> if if the thing that you're holding consumes all the product. Man, going like this morning, if you told me by the end of it, you would be explaining to me why my plan for bamboo-related grift was flawed. <laughs> then you would have thought, yeah, that sounds about right for our yeah. level of bullshit. Fucking hell. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not worse. Yeah. Now, who am I going to get to help me run this cocaine racket? What about the biggest cocaine addict I know? Now, James, please. This, yeah. is, this is just like the pandas thing. You cannot run a grift with someone who will consume all of the, grifting, the grift-based substance. Look, but Nick, somebody who does a lot of cocaine is less likely to need us than somebody whose cocaine supplies are really low. Ah, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, but Nick, have you heard how confidently this guy talks about his <laughs> grifting abilities? Yeah. That's why he keeps scratching at his skin and uh, rubbing his finger across his teeth. Yeah. 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 Now, uh, the eventual reveal of Bob, very good. He's been using his blood to write notes. Yes. He passes out. Needs to be using a pen. Good advice for the everyday, I think. I, I, I've been using a pen for yeah. all my notes. Up until this episode came out when I was eight, I was writing most of my notes in blood and... This episode showed me there was another way. The more you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a sign at the front of Springfield Penitentiary that says America's fastest growing prison. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, that is, I mean, yeah. yeah. Fun being a relative term. It's a good joke. Well, I mean, it might... Uh, are, the, are the prisons in Springfield privatized? Cause maybe, oh, I think. Because maybe it's one of those things where they privatize the prisons and then... Um, you know, as a as a weird roundabout way of well, not a roundabout way, a weird trickle down effect of the economic crisis the as you end up with downturn. with more people getting imprisoned and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a problem. It's a problem. Uh, then we get we get the parole meeting, and there's a thing in here. We got the joke about Selma saying he tried to kill me. I'm Selma, and then the lawyer saying 
who in this room is thinking about killing her right now? Mm. And we've talked before, usually I don't like things like this, where they joke about Selma being unlikable. This one kind of works for me, because I feel like it would have worked regardless of who the character was. Yes, because it's yeah. just an extremely brutal joke, and yeah. it's, it's not dependent on any characteristic of Selma, it's yeah. just... And then Patty also having a hand up because she leaves the toilet seat up kind of makes it for me. Yeah. I like that. I think it's a good, solid joke. Um, I want to know why the parole board is interested on providing censorship notes on Bob's statement. When he Mm. says... um, PP-soaked tech hole? Yeah. Urine-soaked hell hole. And they say, we object to that. You could have said PP-soaked heck hole. Mm. Which to me sounds like a making a joke at the idea of network censorship, saying, mm. well, we've, we've got some notes on this episode, yeah. you use this, we want you to say yeah, that. you said, piss soak shithole, and <laughs> that's but, not going to fly. But why is the parole board, why do they give a fuck about what he's describing the prison as? Well, aren't they just, uh, hmm, I've always read that joke as them being annoyed at him describing the prison poorly, and then, you know, the censorship is just like, oh, that will sting less. Maybe. About uh, prison. Maybe. I've always, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because I was looking at it from a point of view of it's a commentary on network notes. Yeah. And it, do- it doesn't make any sense in that context. But you're right. Maybe they're just saying, don't besmirch our prison. But I don't know. I wonder if Die Bar Die is a popular tattoo now. Oh, that's interesting. Or at least The Bar The. I, if I was going to get a tattoo, it would say The Bar The. Would it? Yeah. yeah, it would. yeah you would get that tattoo? I think I would. Because I think that's enough of a, a weird allegory, not allegory, a weird allusion okay. to the actual tattoo. I wouldn't get it. I wouldn't get a full fucking chest piece. Yeah, because like, you've already got that full chest piece of. Uh... Yep, yep. Please, please tell me what is my full <laughs> chest piece tattoo of? Uh, it's a picture of us recording this podcast. Oh, aren't we having fun? <laughs> um, and every time I go to say, hey, James, it's us, you're like, put your fucking shirt back on. But the weird thing is, every time you pull the shirt up and I look at the tattoo, it's changed in subtle ways, like a painting oh. in the background will have changed, or you know the like, interesting... there'll be some eyes in the corner, but like you never get any extra work done, so we can't quite explain it. You know the interesting thing about that is that one of the first ideas I ever had for a tattoo was to just get the outline of a circle mm. on my arm. Like, if you think of, like, you know, the classic um, stereotype of, like, the the mum tattoo with a heart and a dagger yep. through it or whatever, where that goes on the outside of the upper arm, mm. have just a black circle, and then I can just fill that in with whatever I feel like with a Sharpie. <laughs> so, some days I can just draw a stick figure with it, and that's the head. Uh, some days that could be the happy smiling character, here is the sun. And oh, then yeah. under it, I draw a little doghouse. Oh, yeah. I like the idea of having a versatile tattoo that I just fill in with textures. Being covered in Sharpie all day would be fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Non-toxic. Well, let's hope so. The film Ernest goes somewhere cheap. That seems like a fun film. Yes. Did you ever watch the Ernest films as a kid? No, I was too busy watching the Carry On films. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Matron. Does that explain the subtle differences in our humour that I did watch the Ernest films and you watched the Carry On films? Possibly. It's why my humour is much more 1960s bawdy English. (laughs) Um, much more saucy. Oh, morning, Vicar. For some reason... Because sometimes, sometimes all I need to sell a joke is someone in a British accent going, morning, Vicar. And they go, fuck, that's funny. There's innuendo there. For some reason, this time watching the episode, hearing the the Jim Varney impersonator, I assume they didn't get Jim Varney in for this, but hearing him say, ooh, public library. Let's see here for a while, Vern. 
For some reason, that made me laugh this time, and I cannot explain why. Yeah, I don't know why you laughed at that either. I thought I'd missed something. I thought I'd missed a sign joke or something. Possibly just mania sitting in. Possibly the uh, the fact that it's, again, a Cape Fear scene of him just singing a song oh, and laughing sure. really hard, but the inversion of Homer having the giant cigar and then laughing too hard is good. But it's just a shot-for-shot shot thing shot for from shot. the movie. Shot the movie shot. this is parodying. That movie being Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. Yeah, we didn't um, mention Michael Caine at all last episode. If, yeah, that's weird. If, 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 if the last episode that we did, season five, episode one, mm. if that was a barbershop band with five people and a Citizen Kane reference, it mm. could have been called Harmer's, uh, Harmer's, Homer's Barbershop Kane Tet. Yeah. Instead of Quintet. Quintet meaning five. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Kane Tet. Kane Tet. Yep, that's all I had for that one. Like um, Cartage from the Dark Tower series. Um, that one. I reckon there's probably a band called Homer Thompson at Terra Lake. Yeah, probably. I have a theory on just every now and then I'll search, I'll do a Google search for certain phrases that come up in the episodes and see if they turn into bands. I might spin that off into an Eat My Short because I did have a victory with a very odd phrase that That's turns out to be a That's a good idea, actually. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, keep an eye out for that one because we might look on, into that. Here's something I feel like you might have a position on. Sure. How do you feel about the extended Hello, Mr. Thompson bit? My favorite bit about that is, yep. I think he's talking to you. I use that line often yep. in, in my life. The extended Mr. Thompson bit, it goes on a long time. Yeah. But the I think he's talking to you payoff is good enough for me to, uh, okay. for me to get on board with the whole joke. I feel like the reason this works is because there have been moments in my life where I've witnessed people who are usually very intelligent, don't have you know major issues with things, just struggle with very simple shit for extended periods of time yes. without any real explanation or reason. Like there's a, despite the piece being super exaggerated, there's an underlying truth to it, I think. Yes. In- yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I also enjoy Homer imagining being John Elway. I always enjoy that in his in his dream they're losing the Super Bowl really badly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a which, nice payoff. Which I think I I think I only just realized that in this watching. <laughs> Cause I was like, oh wait a minute, it's the number seven that's flashing, not the number fifty six on the scoreboard. That means they lost really severely. Yeah. They, they were beaten were pummeled. They were beaten eightfold. Yeah. And also just the uh the calls Homer is making that are just jumbled gibber- gibberish. Mm. I almost said gibberish. Imagine. Which is, uh, I guess if you're talking about Quake, you're talking gibberish. Interesting. I think it's the difference. I mean, some people say gif, some people say jif, some people (laughs) say gibberish, some people say gibberish. Yeah. It's just so hard to know whether it's a soft G or a hard G. Am I going to the zoo to see the giraffe or the giraffe? Who knows? The gibbon or the jibbon? The jibbon. Which is it? Yeah. I'd go see the jibbon. Yeah. Is it Dunstan checks in or Dunstan check? No, that's not a thing. That was an orangutan, not a given. How's the Dunstan Checks In reference? <laughs> you know, because we've been podcasting for a while, my mind is starting to not work so well. I was thinking about Dunstan Checks In like a minute ago, and I've already forgotten the context. It's <laughs> 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 just like, oh, you can work it in here. And I bring it in. I'm like, wait, no, you can't. This is not a Dunstan Checks In moment. And now over to Dunstan. I'm checking in. He's, He's checking, checking in. in. I'm checking in. So checking, we brought checking up, in. We, we brought it back to the Simpsons. And uh, I guess now Dunstan has to check out. And we were in the same house in senior school, and that was Dunstan. Yeah. 
in Dunstan. Fuck. Uh, it's very convenient that they get assigned a houseboat in Terra Lake. A houseboat. Just so that they can do the Cape Fear on a boat scene from the end of Cape Fear, the movie Cape Fear. Sure, sure, sure. Which the episode Cape Fear is a parody of. Houseboat. Now, this got me thinking, though. The Witness Relocation Program puts them up in a houseboat. And I don't know if there's, like, a trade-off where their existing home, you know, they get something roughly of equivalent value or less value. But I'm thinking, in the current economic climate, in the real world, mm. is it worth going into the Witness Relocation Program just to get a home? That's an interesting uh, point to make. Yeah. Is that the easiest way to get a house? I think it might be. That's very grim. That is grim. Um, so I, spe- could- I, mean, I suppose, though, that you need to be witness to a crime so yeah. serious and severe that it requires relocation. If you could do me the favor of just committing a very serious crime in front of me, I don't know, maybe we should keep an eye on Motorbike Mike. Witness Relocation Program is actually one of those things that I have spent my entire life going, is that a real thing? Because on the one hand, it could just be a Hollywood construction. On the other hand, it could be a real program that every government does. It's I actually... popped up in so many things. And surely it has to be real. Yeah, I don't know. Because phone numbers that start with 555 have cropped up in a lot of things and they're not real. They're a Hollywood device. Yeah, but that's because you can't put real phone numbers <laughs> into TV shows. Yeah, but fictional concepts are fictional concepts. Like yeah, That's true. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm showing my ignorance. Maybe all the listeners at home are like, come on, Nick, I've been in the witness relocation program for I've said too much. Yeah, like 30% of our listeners are <laughs> relocated witnesses. Looking at you, Sam Lindsay. <laughs> God, I hope there's not some mobster after Sam. Well, no, but Sam Lindsay's his, his relocated name. We <laughs> haven't given away his, his true identity. And then somebody from the Witness Relocation Program is listening to this episode. Damn it, I knew there was a part of that process. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, always change the name. <laughs> See? And then just, just in the Sam Lindsay file, there's, a, there's a, a piece of paper that says his new name is Homer Thompson. <laughs> and it all comes together so mellifluously. These are very specific references to one of our listeners. <laughs> one of our listeners. <laughs> Sorry to all of the other... Three listeners. <laughs> uh, Sergio Bob really takes a beating in this episode. <laughs> you know what feels so strange, though, about making those jokes? Is that I'm now like, oh, do we have to go through and list the other four listeners so that they don't feel left out? I mean, we're not, We I'm, have listeners. I'm not, I, I don't think we do. Um, actually, I have noticed there have been more and more people interacting with us on social media recently, which has been fun. Yeah. Our download numbers are going up and up. And up. Well, why aren't they called upload numbers, James? Well, do you want me to explain that to you? Please. I'm not going to, so too bad. Even better. Let's talk about the rakes. Let's talk about rakes, baby. Let's talk about scooping leaves. Let's talk about all the gardening we could be doing. Let's talk about rakes. I just want to point out to the listeners at home, I was doing that while reading a text message on my phone. I put nothing into that and I came up trying That was so extremely unrealistic. <laughs> no lead up. No thought. <laughs> you made baby run with leaves. <sighs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was enjoyable. 
Because I started and I'm like, oh, I reckon I can do the second line. Oh, fuck, I'm on a roll. I can, do, I can, I can clear up the rest. Oh, sorry, the rakes. You yeah, it's the rakes this episode. episode. So it's your Bob steps on like 11 of them. <laughs> oh, you counted? I counted like years ago. I didn't count this time. Oh, so it's about 11. That's good. <clears throat> it's good. Yeah, it is good. The rakes thing. Especially because, you know, you and I have seen this scene a lot. We watch mm. The Simpsons a lot. The rakes thing starts off, you go, oh, it's the, it's the rakes thing. By the time it gets to the last two, you and I were both cackling out loud. Like, yeah. it is good. Yeah. It is good. And like my my thinking has always been, like, this is one that, you know, s- starts weird, gets funny, then lulls and gets funny again. But I reckon from rake three, I was laughing. Yeah. Just with an increase of intensity each time. Yeah. Like, there wasn't really a lull where it stopped being funny. I wonder if... I wonder if that effect, that kind of funny, not funny, funny again, I wonder if that has an extrapolation over time that so it goes like funny, not funny, funny again. But because we've known this for so long, we're just now on the increase of funny, 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 and it yeah. won't drop again. Or if mm. it does, it'll be a lot further in the future. Yeah, because I don't know, you're waiting for that moment as well. It's like mm. now the regs are the entire sequence is a payoff. Yes. 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 And then the elephants, the elephants stepping on him. <sighs> With an excellent, I've, I've got here, good Hannibal crossing the Alps reference. Yeah. Uh, and it reminds me of one of my favorite Eddie Izzard bits when he talks about uh, Hannibal going to a shop to buy skis to go over the Alps. And the salesman says, oh, skis? Oh, no. So I've just sold the last ones to, to some people. Oh, well, have you got anything else I can go over the house with? Got some elephants. What the fuck? <laughs> um, uh, it's tremendous. And then it reminds me of one of my favourite shows, Hannibal. Starring Mads Mikkelsen. It's Hannibal. Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. It's a name I enjoy saying. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's a very handsome man. Yeah, And he eats people. That's interesting. Mm. Um, have you heard that he got... This joke doesn't make any sense. <laughs> have you heard that he uh, got a condition from uh, removing too much snow from his driveway? It's known as Mads Plow Disease. Oh, yeah. Mads Plow Disease. Yeah, I get it. It's good. Yeah. It's a good gag. Thanks. Good work, Nick. Yeah, thanks. So eventually, uh, Sideshow Bob, who was staying at the Bates Motel from the movie Psycho, we should watch the movie Psycho. Mads Plow Disease, also known as BSE, a disease from being a snow... Nope. Being a snow nope. <laughs> 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 Do you want to build a snow nope? No. Nope. <laughs> Tremendous. Sorry, we're talking about Psycho. Yeah, he's staying at the Bates Motel By from Psycho. Yes. Yeah, Bates. Yes. And then he goes on the boat and he steps on a rake and he throws the rake away. And then the rake makes maybe my favorite sound effect in the entire show. It is this the... It's such a good plop noise of the. It's a it's a like, weighty it's a yeah. weighty splash. It's weighty and it's wet, and it, you know, it's a splash, but it's not like there's water splashing up so much. No. It's just a yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's the sinking noise of it. Yes, it's such a specific noise. It is a wonderfully specific noise, and I wonder how they did it because all this, you know, it's always like. Oh, we had to get two tins of corn and mash them up against each other, one of them with the lid off, you know? It's always something like that. Well, something I find interesting on the subject of Foley, I learned something the other day about, you know, in, whenever there's a, whenever anyone's bouncing a basketball in a gym in a movie, mm. and you get that ring that you get when you bounce a basketball of the air moving around inside, that like... Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, the the first person to figure out how to record that sound because they had you know mics all around the court, but none of them were picking up the ring. And they realized that what they actually had to do was put a microphone at like the height of the backboard, mm. and then they just had someone whose job it was to stand here for ages, smack the ball into the ground. And then as it goes up to the top of its bounce, at the very top of its flight path, that's where they could catch uh, the, the ringing, tinging sound Ooh, the ringing, without, tinging. without any other sounds interfering with it. Huh. And so then they just isolated that little snip and used it in, in all the other sound effects. Oh, this has been a good episode of Foley Facts. <laughs> Foley Facts, excellent. <laughs> Next week, we're talking about the early 2000s South Australian treasurer, Kevin Foley. And then the wrestler, Mick Foley. Also known as Mankind. And then... That's probably it. <laughs> yeah, those are the three for, episodes we have planned for, for season Foley one. Facts. Of for, for Foley Fabs. Hey, Nick. Yo. Would you like to see my chainsaw and hockey mask? No. Okay, cool. Because I didn't bring them. Good. Okay. Uh, so the last act of this is Sojo Bob chasing Bart around the boat saying, I'm Sojo Bob. I'm going to kill you, baby. Chasing who? Uh, little buddy boy. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Little yeah, Bart Thompson. Little, you know, he's like the he's like the new Dennis the Menace man. He's the original Hellcat. Little Bart but, Thompson. Yeah. Now the uh, this scene has always kind of like made me a little anxious. Like such a Bob on the bed holding up the knife, going to stab Bart while the family's tied up outside. Yeah. It's genuinely kind of distressing to me. Every time I see this episode, just yeah, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, the set up and conceit, like he's on the boat to murder this boy, and mm. now the boy has to run away from him. Mm. And then yeah. it's crocodiles, it's electric eels, it's crocodiles again. Yeah, yeah, it's all very, uh, it's all very stressful. And then he makes him perform the HMS Pinafore. I really enjoy the way that the production values of this little recital escalate so rapidly. Yeah, <laughs> it goes from just Sideshow Bob to Sideshow Bob wearing a mop on his head to be a wig for the female character. Yeah, then he has. A little bit of a costume, and then he's in full-blown turn-of-the-century English military regalia yep. with a flag that then drops down, yep. and Bart's reading a playbill. Yeah, and some hands reach out and hand him a bouquet. It is so wonderful the way it escalates so quickly. And it's also something you could only do in a cartoon. Yeah, totally. Which is neat. And then the extremely weird turn that I'd forgotten of uh, Wiggum, Lou, and... Um, oh, God, I forgot his name. Eddie. Eddie. Yeah. Uh, standing there in dressing gowns. And I go, okay, well, yeah, it, it is early in the morning. They were sailing through the night. And then Wiggum's like, yeah, you're lucky you crashed into this brothel. And yeah. it's like, wait, fucking what? Yeah. Yeah. They were at the brothel. Yeah. And they weren't there on, you know, arrests or anything. No. They were there. They fucking. They fucking. They fucking. They fucking at dawn, too. Yeah. Is that when police officers get up to that kind of thing, at dawn? Well, you know, they've got a work shift to go to afterwards. A work shift. Yeah. yeah As opposed point. to a non-work shift, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, I feel like this is good. Like, they know that Kelsey Grammer can sing, so they very, very pointedly engineer him performing a full musical. It's yes. cool. It's nice. That is, that is good. Yeah. And have you ever heard or seen HMS Pinafore? No. Is it a Gilbert and Sullivan? I would assume so, because they're listening to Gilbert and Sullivan so, earlier yeah. in the car. Yeah, I imagine. Three little girls from school, are, are we? we? Everything is also glee. He, 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 he. 
Everything is also fun. <laughs> oh, so fun. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, no, I haven't seen Hedgehog's before. Have you? No. Interesting. And then at the end, they go back and Grandpa has turned into a lady. And Jasper's going to take him out. The final queer coding of Grandpa that is then unfortunately taken away. Oh, I don't know that he's turned into a lady. Because he has long hair and bosoms, but... Uh, is he um, wearing lipstick as well? He, I think he is. Yeah, and it, but it is interesting what you say about the queer coding because when Jasper starts hitting onto him, Abe doesn't recoil. He's mm. like, "Oh, this is nice." Yeah, finally getting a bit of attention. Yeah, so he, uh, Jasper says, "I've got Stephen Eady tickets," and mm. he says, "I'm all yours." Mwah. So who's, who's Stephen Eady? Well, I looked it up. I've always heard that as one name. It's two names: Steve and Eady. <sighs> I've always heard as Stephen Edie. Stephen. Yeah. First name Stephen, last name Edie. Stephen. So, yeah, it's Steve and Edie. Well, they were a pop vocal duo from 1957 to 2013 when Edie died. That is quite a career, from 57 to 13. Yeah. Wasn't there another name that we were going to look up from this one? Oh, yeah, I looked it up. Yeah. Um, it, it, we, we skipped over it in the chronology and I decided it wasn't really worth it. Okay. Uh, Linda Lavin. Linda Lavin, yeah, who Bart has been... Uh, Prank calling for years. Yeah. She was a title character in a sitcom called Alice, and her in, which was on in the um, late 50s, early 60s. <laughs> and she made her film debut in The Muppets Take Manhattan. What a weird deep cut reference. Why is he, why is he doing that to Linda Lavin? I don't know. According to Lisa, she deserved it. Okay, Linda Levin, if you were out there, uh, could you let us know why Bart was pranking you? Uh, she's still alive. She's 80. So. Okay, well, yeah, that's why I'm addressing her directly. Oh, so we'll get Linda Levin on. Yeah, Levin. Lin- Linda Levin. Yeah. A little bit of Levin. Yeah, a little bit of Levin. That'll be the... Uh, you've lost that Levin feeling. <laughs> will be the follow-up when we no longer have her on the podcast. Followed by Are You Levin Tonight, when we continue to no longer have her. <laughs> yeah. If you want to be my Levin... Can I get with my Lind? Uh, yeah. Uh, Lavin U is easy because you're Lindaful. <laughs> okay. Jesus. So this has been Puss in the Kid of Springfield, a podcast uh, about something. This is the start of season five, baby. Yes. Uh, yeah, what are we- Season number five! Bonk, 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 bonk. A little bit of someone in the sun. A little bit... I'm not going to do it, but... A little bit of Homer's Barbershop. A little bit of Cape Fear's What We Got. A little bit of going to college. A little bit of... Rosebud. With a sled. A little, <laughs> a little bit, bit of... of Treehouse of Horror. For... Pass me the fucking... Pass me the, pass me the DVD. <laughs> a little bit... Okay. Uh, a little bit of Burns Air, that's for sure. A little bit of Homer and our poo. Christ, I'm not sure what we're going to do. What? We get to... <laughs> Alright, fucking Jesus fuck. Alright, that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> okay, so we're on the A Lot of Green Network. Listen to all their shows, they're good. Uh, email, post in the key of springfield at gmail.com, social media, etc, etc. Where's a wuzzle? 40 wax with a wet noodle, James. Ah, shit. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Because that gives us at least an hour. I feel like every time we say we're going to do that, we forget to do it. Oh, okay. (laughs) But that's fine. Maybe we'll do a meta sting. Maybe we'll start season five with an end sting about how we can't do stings anymore. Yeah, maybe.
But then we have to... I don't know. I really enjoy the sting. I feel like at this point, if I broke the streak... Sure. It'd be bad news. Well, what if... What if we do... Here's a here's a little joke that's coming up. Sure. Prepare yourself for that. Okay. What if we say that we'll do one at the end of this episode, and then if we do, that'll become the A sting, and this can be... Uh, the bee sting. Oh, the bee sting. Like how a wasp might sting you. <sighs> you just are not that bright, Jimmy. <laughs> or a hornet. Oh, a Charlotte hornet? Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. You ready for this? Sting. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, did you ever read that book about the uh, the basketball team that lives in a county fair and uses the web to spell out magic? But not magic to use our messages, Charlotte Hornets web. <laughs> Don't believe I did. That was me grappling like hell to remember what the plot to Charlotte's web is. Yeah, I'm hearing. I'm like, okay, this is gonna be a Charlotte's web thing. Where's it gonna take it? Charlotte Hornets. Okay, there it is. Whoop, there it is. Boom shakalaka. He's on fire, etc. 